This is Real Estate Rookie episode 311. If you're changing out outlets and light switches and your ceiling fans, you're saving thousands of dollars. My biggest project that I would do for DIY work is hands down recess lights. I even have a video where I've done a bedroom in one hour and I've had that same size bedroom quoted by an electrician for $1,500 labor. So I define that now as $1,500 for one hour's worth of work. My name is Ashley Kerr, and I'm here with my co-host, Tony Robinson. And welcome to the Real Estate Rookie Podcast, where every week, twice a week, we give you the inspiration, motivation, and stories you need to hear to kickstart your investing journey. And uh, today's episode, Ash, is just a little different than what we usually do. Uh, first, I'm in my new studio, so I'm looking like a little Batman-esque with the dark vibes <laughs> going on right now. I got to finish off with the, the lighting in the background. But uh, second, our, our guest today, uh, Sean Kelly... He, uh, first he's got an amazing story, but, uh, he's a, a DIYer and he built his portfolio, uh, which is, you know, several properties, flips, Airbnbs, long-term rentals. Uh, but he built that portfolio on the back of teaching himself as a complete newbie, how to renovate and rehab properties. So we also go into partnerships. And so Sean is a DIYer and how he is going to incorporate that into his partnerships. How do you structure that? So we break down a couple of examples of different options he has to really bring value to the partnership, but also be rewarded with equity <laughs> or a cash payout. So we give a couple examples. So if you're in that situation of either wanting to do some DIY and add in that sweat equity, or if you are willing to partner with somebody who's going to be bringing that to the table. This is the episode to listen to as to different options you have as to actually putting together that structure. Now, as always, I want to give a quick shout out to someone that loved to say five-star review and Apple podcast. This person goes by the name of Alyssa A. And Alyssa says, favorite podcast, been listening to Real Estate Rookie for the last year. One of my favorite podcasts for being a newbie in real estate. Always have the best guests, inspiring stories, and advice. So, uh, Alyssa, we appreciate you. And for all of our rookies that are listening, if you haven't yet, please you just take a few minutes, leave us an honest rating and review on whatever platform it is you're listening to. The more reviews we get, uh, the more people we're able to reach. And the more folks we can reach, the more folks we can help. So this week's Instagram shout out, I want to give out to Ashley Wilson at Bad Ash Investor. And uh, believe it or not, if you put in chat GPT, it actually mixes up our bios and tells us that we're one person. But um, so Ashley is an investor uh, out of Pennsylvania, and um, she shares a lot about the multifamily industry. And she recently put together an apartment addicts summit that she is hosting in Houston, Texas, this September. I'm going to be the MC of it. So I'd love to see you guys there. If you want to check out at Bad Ash Investor, she also does a couple of funny memes every once in a while too, about what it's like to be an investor in today's market too. Remember when you had to pay to get a Leeds phone number? It was like the dark ages until Deal Machine made skip tracing a thing of the past. Now with your Deal Machine plan, you'll get unlimited access to phone numbers and contact information for no extra cost. That's right. Get high quality, reliable information trusted by leading financial institutions, all fully compliant with the federal do not call list. Explore over 150 data points, including age, gender, marital status, occupation, and a ton more. Trust me. 
This is the data you need for off-market deals. With new filters, people flags, and color-coded phone numbers, lead management just got a ton easier. Ready to step up your investing game? Sign up for a Deal Machine plan today and gain immediate access to this unlimited treasure trove of contact information and phone numbers. Just head to dealmachine.com BP. Transform your lead generation and deal-making strategies with Deal Machine. Sign up today and start exploring the unlimited possibilities at dealmachine.com BP. Remember when you had to pay to get a lead's phone number? It was like the dark ages. Until Deal Machine made skip tracing a thing of the past. Now, with your Deal Machine plan, you'll get unlimited access to phone numbers and contact information for no extra cost. That's right, get high-quality, reliable information trusted by leading financial institutions, all fully compliant with the federal do-not-call list. Explore over 150 data points including age, gender, marital status, occupation, and a ton more. Trust me, this is the data you need for off-market deals. With new filters, people flags, and color-coded phone numbers, lead management just got a ton easier. Ready to step up your investing game? Sign up for a Deal Machine plan today and gain immediate access to this unlimited treasure trove of contact information and phone numbers. Just head to dealmachine.com BP. Transform your lead generation and deal-making strategies with Deal Machine. Sign up today and start exploring the unlimited possibilities at dealmachine.com BP. Are current interest rates making you depressed about cash flow? What if it didn't have to be that way? Rent to Retirement has 2.99% seller financing available on turnkey properties. You heard that right. That's a seller financed 2.99% interest rate where the average cash flow is over $900 per month. They also have options where you can put as low as 5% down on multiple investment properties with no PMI. Rent to Retirement is the nation's leading turnkey investment company that understands what it takes to be successful in today's dynamic real estate market. Their reputation speaks for itself with more five-star reviews than any other company on the Bigger Pockets website. Rent to Retirement offers fully turnkey properties that are newly built or renovated, leased and managed, allowing you to invest with confidence in the markets that offer the best returns. To learn more, visit renttoretirement.com. That's rent to retirement.com or text REI to 33777. Again, text REI to 33777. Sean, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Do you want to start off with telling us a little bit about yourself and how you got started in real estate? Yeah, definitely. By the way, thank you so much for having me and uh, for sharing all your knowledge and just the motivation and everything is gone such a long way in my life and I'm sure so many other people. So thank you. Um, this really started all the way back in 2010. I'm not going to go year by year, but a long time ago, I really got into real estate because it sounds really cheesy, but I was watching a lot of HGTV, a lot of fixer upper was coming on flipping Vegas, all these other shows. And I was like, that seems like what having your money works for you looks like rather than you working for your money. So right then and there, I knew I was, I, I had my future set on real estate. Fast forward a long time. I went to four years of college. So my, my outlook on this was the safe route. I was going to go to four years of school, get the highest paying job. I don't care if I even like it, just whatever pays the most. And then I'll use that money to fund real estate. And just how I was brought up and how both sets of my parents work. They were divorced when before I was born. 
They knew how to stretch a dollar really far and they knew how to be very safe with their money. So I was using that same perspective. Let me go to school. Let me play the safe route, get a, a, a high paying job and fund the real estate. Well, it took until 2015. So it took five years to get my own primary house, me and my girlfriend at the time. So is this five years after college? No. So this is five years since I knew I wanted real estate. So okay. basically okay. right when I graduated college, okay, I got that first house. So here it is, like I'm making a little bit of money. Now I'm buying that first thing rather than real, rather than an investment, I'm buying kind of a liability. Um, the things that they say to watch out for, I was going for that. And so then it took another four years of saving up. And during that four years, the jobs I was getting, none of them required degrees in the first place. They were, for one, I went back to Whole Foods to bag groceries and while I was looking for a high paying job because I didn't want to accept just anything. Then a year later, it was like, okay, let me just, let me go work in the mortgage industry. Again, it did not require a degree, but it was now more a little bit real estate related. And that whole time I could have just jumped straight to that mortgage industry and got paid the same rate. And so from there, finally made up a little bit of money to be able to buy my very first investment property in 2019. So eight or nine years after wanting my first deal. Um, now I have two long-term rentals, three Airbnbs, and two flips under my belt. So nine total investment properties in from 2019 to the day. Now, Sean, you're kind of portraying it as to like nine years, like it took you so long, but... What would you have done differently to do it in a shorter amount of time? Or do you actually look back and like, this was actually the right path for me. We just had Chad Carson on who's launching the book with bigger pockets, uh, small, mighty real estate, where it's just, you know, a slower pace, you're building a smaller portfolio and you're a lot more conservative. So looking back now, how do you feel about your journey thus far? Yeah, it's definitely hard because it's, it's working out. Yeah. And so it, it is hard to say like I would have done things differently, but I think I could have been years ahead. And I think that first thing would have been there's plenty of jobs that would have paid enough to start getting that first investment property, especially the houses that I was looking at in the markets were starting at $100,000. So it would really just be saving that $20,000 chunk to get the 20% down on a house. And now thinking about, you know, that could have been a year to obtain that $20,000 rather than eight or nine years to obtain it. And, uh, and then using that money to snowball. Cause now I've seen the power of the snowball effect where you have one and then you can get more and more. So had I had started that snowball effect with years ago, I do kind of wonder what would have been different, but, and nothing has been easier now either. So I could have already gone through those hard trials and I, I don't know what I'm saying, but all those, all those hard parts a long time ago, maybe I would have been a little bit more comfortable now. I don't know if I would have done things differently. I've made friends in college and so on, but, and I use a lot of those skills that I've learned in school and different aspects of my life, both professional and personal. So it's hard to say, I guess. Ashley, I just want to add to that, right? Because I, I think it is something that's for anyone that's entrepreneurial, probably something they struggle with is kind of, uh, you know, always kind of measuring themselves against this ideal version of themselves, I guess. And uh, I know we're going to have Ben Hardy on the podcast here soon, but he wrote a book called The Gap in the Gain. And it was just, if you guys haven't read it, it's a phenomenal book. I think honestly, one of the best books I've read recently, and just really like a, a mindset shifting type book to read. But basically, the, the premise of this book, The Gap in the Gain is that most entrepreneurial people, real estate investors included, uh, they're always looking 
kind of forward towards like, man, what else do I still need to accomplish? But if they take the time to look backwards and measure where they've already gone, there's so much to be grateful for there. So for you, Sean, even though you feel like, man, you know, I, I didn't need to go to college and didn't need to do this. I'm sure the the 2010 version of yourself would be so thrilled with the 2023 version of yourself because you've accomplished so much and done these things that, you know, the, the version of you at that point probably couldn't even have comprehended as a possibility. That's such a great point. I actually have people around me telling me that we need to practice more gratitude in our lives. And so I definitely, I have thought about how if I look to where I'm at now, where even my very first, so I do some YouTube channels and mess around with that. And the very first time I made a dollar on online, period, I was like, I almost teared up. I was like, I made a dollar on the internet. I didn't have to like work a retail job or talk to anybody really. And so it was just like now knowing like, yeah, if I could go back and look now, I would be so I would be proud of myself. I, I guess yeah, that's so funny, man. I, I have like a similar experience. I uh, the first time I made money, like not through a W two job, um, it really kind of more as an adult. But uh, I had a website called My Best Basketball Shoes, and uh, I just wrote like a bunch of like long articles about the best basketball shoes in the market, and I had like Google Ad- AdSense on that uh, website, so I get you know pennies every time someone clicked on an ad but like you said the first time it came through you're like oh my god i did it you know like i, I figured it out yeah. um yeah i think i actually still own that domain i gotta go back and check to see if that's that's still uh, lurking around but um anyway sean going back to you man so you you go on this journey um so you've got two long-term rentals uh three short terms and you said you've done two flips so far yep two flips with the third one under contract now so that brings us to nine with a, a tenth one on the way and uh i kind of have the shiny object syndrome where the two long-term rentals happen back to back and happen in the same exact market, really like two blocks from each other, uh, very similar styles. And then boom, Airbnbs were kind of like on the rise and they were coming up and uh, I had moved. And so one had caught my attention and got that one. And then sure enough, two more Airbnbs hit after that one. And then again, kind of got like, okay, I have enough of these squirrel. And then I look over here and like, now it's uh, <laughs> doing other things. So flipping houses. I, I just want to comment on that because it, it's something that we see time and time again with with so many guests that come onto the podcast is that the the first deal takes such tremendous effort, time, energy, um, but the second one always comes exponentially faster than the first. And you know, you said you you had the first idea in 2010, then the first investment came almost a decade later in 2019, but here we are 4 years later and you've done almost 9 or 10 deals. And it's it's just crazy how that flywheel starts to get spinning and the momentum starts to come. So I, I know we'll talk about this a little bit later, but I mean just how much easier is each subsequent deal for you, Sean? Tremendously easier. Even that very second property happened like the day after we got a tenant locked in a lease on that first property. It was almost right away. Like all the pressure had been gone, had left. I remember when I first bought that property, I was overanalyzing every deal I came across and I thought I had it toned down right, like perfectly. Found this property, did a little rehab to it and I thought the rents would be around $1,100. And so the neighbor comes over and he's contemplating renting out that property for his stepdaughter. And I remember we told him, yeah, it's 1100 bucks. And he was like, this place was renting for 750 like like a few months ago. And my heart sank into my stomach. I was like, did we just misjudge this whole thing? That would completely put us underwater. And sure enough, boom, 1100 bucks in rent. So we got what, exactly what the market was telling us we could get. And so from there we knew, okay, all these years of overanalyzing has, has paid off. Now it's 
my process did work on that first one. So it's probably going to work on the second and the third and so on. So now I use the same exact calculator that I've used, uh, st- the bigger pockets calculator. And now each, each one is, you know, it's, it's become simple. That really helps you build your confidence when, you know, you're so unsure you're analyzing, analyzing, and then it's confirmed. You got exactly what you projected to get in a deal as for you, it was the rent. So you talked about, you know, you have um, these processes that you're going through and each deal has gotten easier and easier. Can you kind of touch on what parts of your business you are doing? Are you doing the acquisitions? Are you doing the property management? Are you doing the rehabs? And then also what you have outsourced to? Yeah, a lot of this has really changed over the past four years and in a really, really eye-opening way. But so starting back on these first properties, really on all the properties, I touch everything. I DIY every property. Easily 90% of the work is done by me or my wife or one of our family members will be in town and we'll put them straight to work. But that's where our real value comes in is putting these projects together by ourselves. And that goes back to being how safe I was taking these nine years to get to where I was on my first investment. Being safe and doing the projects yourself Maybe not from a construction or quality standpoint, but from a money standpoint, um, you can save easily 50% by not hiring out labor to somebody else. And so every single house we've done has had quite a transformational remodel to it. And each one we've, we've tackled with, uh, with just the help of YouTube channels and just going in there and busting down walls. This whole thing started when the very first project really just needed a bathroom remodel. So that was an easy launching point. We just remodeled the bathroom, maybe overdid it a little bit, but we got the 1100 rent like we wanted. Then the next property was, okay, let's build a bedroom wall here that was a secondary living room to add a new living quarters. And then let's paint some more of the walls and add flooring. So it's just a little bit better. Then that next Airbnb that hit, it was a full-blown gut. This place was trash. It was almost falling off the cliff. And we turned that thing around and we ended up actually selling that property. And from there, that was what I always called my pride and joy because we spent months of just hard work busting this thing out. It was in the mountains. It was an experience. And it was this whole thing. And then um, and then it just, okay, we can do this. That was the hardest one, full gut. So then we just kept going. Sean, let me, let me ask, right? Because it, it sounds like you kind of graduated with each property in terms of the level of complexity that the you know the the DIY rehab required do you think that you could have jumped into that third property uh, with the experience you had initially or did you have to kind of take those small steps to get there I had to take those small steps if I had jumped into something like that there's no way I would have bought that property uh, I mean it was like mildew and it was so intense that there's there's no way even when I was in the midst of that as it was happening I, I thought I was a little bit over my head quite a bit of the time. I definitely needed those learning steps. And during those two or three years until I got that first one, it was a lot of like watching YouTube videos on construction and, and working on my own primary house too. So there was quite a bit of work and knowledge and education that went into this whole DIY process. Ashley, can I, can I actually ask you, I just want your opinion, right? Sean kind of just naturally figured this out. Like, Hey, I want to start small and kind of scale my way up. But you also see the inverse where sometimes rookies, I think are too afraid of a job that maybe they could figure out. Like, what do you think is the the right balance of like knowing how big of a, a rehab job to take as a new investor? Yeah. For me, when I took on my first big rehab, I had like a partner as a security blanket who knew construction 
And even if he didn't, he was fairly confident that with YouTube or just trying it, he could figure it out. And so I think for me that we were willing to take on more stuff because I had somebody with experience, even though he wasn't, you know, 100% knowledgeable and there was tons of things we had to redo or things like that. The fact that he had some construction experience where if it was me that had no construction experience, I would have been way more hesitant as to what I attempted to do. So I think what really builds your confidence as to what are some things you have tried to do that you knew nothing about, and then you kind of build from there. So looking at a a rehab, say you want to go in, you want to DIY. Okay. Have you ever done a project with your dad? Have you ever watched somebody do something? So, okay. It could be something as painting. Painting is something that easy to attempt it. Okay. You need paintbrushes, you need rollers, you need paint. Okay. So Googling what kind of paint you need to purchase. First of all, what's the best for, you know, a tenant friendly apartment, uh, things like that. But when you actually go in and paint the apartment, you have an idea of what to do. If you're me, there's, it's going to turn out horrible. There's going to be, you know, spots that are completely covered and, you know, your, your business partner will be frustrated trying to fix the, the poor job you did. But If you continuously do that, you'll obviously most likely get better at it. But attempting little things like that and kind of see how they go for you, I think is like a really great starting step, something that you can make a mistake on that can easily be fixed. For example, painting the wall. You, it doesn't turn out great. You can put another coat on it or you can paint it another color. Um, So I think just kind of like going along those guidelines as to if I attempt this and it does not turn out well, is it actually going to be more expensive for somebody to come in and repair and place it? I think uh, I think an important point to add to that too is that, and this is something that I've always struggled with because I I wouldn't consider myself a handy person, you know, by any measure. Like I can you know I can paint walls, I can do some basic things, but like I'm not laying down flooring, I'm not you know doing electrical work, I'm not uh, you know installing tile. Like I'm I a I have no interest. B I don't think I'd be all that good at it. Um, and I always struggle with that early on. Like, can I really consider myself a real estate investor if I'm not good at the DIY stuff? And it was like this mental block that I had to get through to say, although it's a good path for some people, you know, Sam Zell wasn't laying tile in his apartment complexes. Grant Cardone's probably not out there putting down LVP. So there's, there's certain levels being an entrepreneur, but I, I do think it is a good way to start. But I just want to call it for the rookies that are listening that feel like, oh my God, I, I don't know if I can do this. It's, it's not always required. But if you do have the skill set, it's a good thing to have in your back pocket. Yeah. And I think, so I hear this a lot too, where a lot of people don't know how to do something or they might be a little frightened to get in there. And once they mess something up, it could be more expensive to go and repair it. And that's a great point. How I saw it was for me, I was probably better suited to do those skills than go in cold call and door knock and do the things that might get a better deal. So by doing these DIY things, they kind of force a good deal because I'm putting in, I'm cutting out that person to do that labor. Um, so instead of finding necessarily a super great off market deal where there's a desperate buyer or something, my skill set comes in where I can go in there and now just DIY stuff and squeeze the profit from that end of it. And Sean, you have a YouTube channel where you kind of share your DIY stuff you're doing too, right? Yeah, correct. So it all started where I just wanted to document the journey of me doing something I loved so long. Like I'm finally doing it. Let me put this on camera. 
and it was like my third or fourth video that really popped. And so from there, I was like, wow, you can, you get viewership. I wasn't making any money, um, but you can get some viewership on here. So let me just keep documenting it and get better at it. And so I do try to teach people how to do some of these projects. And at the same time, I'm now getting paid through YouTube to just record projects that I'm doing anyways, mm -hmm. which sometimes forces me to do better projects or overdo something. Because everybody's watching. <laughs> yeah, it's going to make a better video too. Or yeah, I better do this right because I'm being filmed. Yeah. So I love, that's a new aspect I've been doing now. Well, it's not new, but it's what I've been doing with this real estate investing. And it's really helped double that income. I actually probably make more through the YouTube than I do in recurring revenue through real estate. And so it's just a huge way to boost funding my real estate now. Yeah. And that's such a, a great thing because you're able to take what you're already doing and monetize it in a different way and just have a different income stream. We talk all the time about the importance of documenting your journey as a new real estate investor. And, you know, I've shared the story many times that before I became the co-host for this podcast, I had my own podcast called Your First Real Estate Investment. And I had zero deals when I launched that first episode, but I was just interviewing other investors about their journey of buying their first investment with the goal of helping other people get their first investment. And Sean, you're doing the same thing where you're just sharing your journey of DIYing your own investment properties and bringing people on that journey with you. So the, the point is you don't have to be an expert to create content. All you have to do is document your own journey. And I think the more people can kind of understand that, the easier it becomes for them to create that content. And guys, uh, you know, all of the rookies that are listening, I can tell you that the, the more you share your journey with people, the faster your business will grow because you'll find more deals, you'll find more funding, you'll find more team members, just everything you need for your business is easier when you have a larger network of people to, to connect with. So do exactly what Sean did, document that journey and it'll definitely pay dividends for you. Yeah, hands down. I've actually gotten a, two deals with an investor who found me through my YouTube channel and he just happened to be in this area. And so we've gone through one flip and then now one long-term rental together. And he found me through this channel too. So it opens so many doors for you more than just the money and the documentation of your life. But it is that simple. Just document. Yeah. Can we touch on that partnership for a little bit? Because, you know, Tony and I are releasing our book, Real Estate Partnerships. And I think like one of the hesitant things is where do I find a partner? You found your partner on the internet and they ended up being somebody local. So can you just give us like a real brief breakdown of how that connection started and how you structured your partnership? Definitely. So I have a second YouTube channel, which is about how to become a real estate agent in North Carolina. So how to pass the test. And so every student who's in this area, for the most part, watches me or one other YouTube channel because those lectures can be pretty dry. So they go onto the YouTube and, you know, I can put up flashy pictures and videos. And so this guy ended up working in the same firm that I do as a real estate agent. And he just reached out and said, hey, we should grab some coffee. I invest in the area. So we grabbed some coffee and he told me a story. And then it was like a week later, he shows me a deal that he found and it was off market. So my one off market deal came through him. And yeah, we became investing partners on a few more deals or one other deal, almost another deal. And it's really just grown into a friendship and this investing relationship, which has been really helpful. But it's because of that YouTube channel. How did you protect yourself going in with someone you recently just met 
And what did that structure kind of look like? So did you guys create an LLC? Did you do a joint venture? Was this a handshake deal? Kind of give us the, the inside look to the partnership. Yeah, this was an LLC deal. So we did go into it together uh, formally. But I also knew that he had a big reputation. He was experienced. So there was probably a little bit less risk on my side than for him who maybe just saw me as an influencer, right? Hey, sign up for my course. <laughs> I don't have a course, but I think there was more risk for him than there was for me. So it was quite easy for me on that point. And then the deal that we locked in, I think what he saw in me was that I could actually put some sweat equity in the, into this property. So his side of the deal was more like he found the property and it was a really great deal in Charlotte, North Carolina. It was actually probably the best deal I've ever done as far as the buying side goes. It didn't end up the best deal, but um, how he found such a affordable house in that area was great. So he had found that deal too, which again, less risk on me. I knew that deal would work even if we went way over budget. And then, so my, I would add the DIY stuff. He would transact the buying side and the selling side. And yeah, so it was almost a, a perfect fit. That's pretty cool. I think, um, one hesitant thing is like you meet someone online, you don't really know, but I think it's really cool that they were in your market. And also you kind of verified and you know, looked at what their reputation is with other investors in the area. So have you done any other partnerships besides this one? I have done one other part. I'm in a current partnership right now with another flip. So my two flips are in partnership deals. And actually, this is probably a question or, or thought for y'all. I'm excited to read that book because the whole DIY thing is great. But to really be able to scale, I am somewhat running out of cash to be able to use on my own. So that's why some of these partnerships have come up. And in these partnerships, me as a DIYer means I put in a lot of sweat equity in these deals. And so trying to figure out how to structure these deals to where it's not necessarily 50-50 in the outcome because somebody's putting in tremendous amounts of work on, you know, during the two or three months of working on it. So I'm not sure if your book touches on that or, or not, but either way, looking at how to structure a deal in the future is definitely on my radar. You know, Sean, we would love to answer that for you, but you're just going to have to buy our book because the answer is <laughs> yeah. in there. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, so in this partnership, are you both putting in the same amount of capital? Yes. Same amount of capital. Okay. Yeah. And then you're the only one that's actually doing any physical labor, doing the sweat equity. For the most part, I would say the first house I partnered with the, the partner I, I partnered with, the guy, he had a GC that he's worked with in the past. So it was basically me working alongside a GC, which was a horrible experience. Wait, can you elaborate on, on why? Why was that such a horrible yeah. experience? There was just so much miscommunication, so much double work. Um, he went through the house and quoted things in the beginning, and then he ended up doing things differently that then caused me double work. For instance, we, we, had an, we were going to replace the panel doors with six panel doors, something simple like that. And... I had painted all the door jams and painted the entire house. And the next thing you know, he's ripping out all the door jams, all the doors. <laughs> and then he replaced them back with the same exact doors that were already in the house. It doesn't make sense to me. And so then I had to go. Then he also hired a drywaller to come back. And he didn't tell the drywaller the specific walls to touch up. So the drywaller had free range of the whole house that I just painted. So I had to paint the whole house twice. And it's a lot of work. Um, and it was just really, I, I was the painter and the electrician, basically. But I ended up becoming the trash man, the painter, the electrician, and everything else that was like small and ticky-tacky. Um, but it added up to a lot. So for a deal like that, it really doesn't make sense for me to 
do that necessarily again in that same way. But if there was a way to get maybe a payout or pay for my time or something, it would be a little bit more enticing, I think. Can I can I ask a, a clarifying question about the structure for that specific partnership? Um, the the person that that brought the capital uh, was it an equity partnership between the two of you, where you were sharing in the profits, or was it a debt partnership where they just basically gave you a loan? No, so it was an equity partnership. So we both put fifty percent into the property. We paid for it cash. Then we would fund all of the materials and the GC work and everything 50-50. And then on the back end, we would get paid 50-50 after he took his realtor fee out on the back end. Gotcha. Which again, I wouldn't mind the realtor fee that he takes out in the back mm-hmm. um, because he found the deal. Like he should get some incentive for finding that deal for sure. And you'd most likely have to pay that to somebody else anyways too. Exactly. Yeah. I am a licensed realtor, but I don't really transact for other people or even myself. Mm-hmm. I've never done a selling. I've never sold a house myself. I've always hired somebody to do that because they could do it far better. I'm sure. The first thing that I think of is, okay, if you have a a dollar amount saying for easy math, say you're each putting in $50,000, okay? You're each getting 50% of the equity in the property. I think you need to actually build a scope of work for yourself, what you're going to be doing as far as the the labor, the DIY stuff, and say, this is what my time is worth to do that, okay? And say, I think, you know, say it ends up being $10,000 or whatever. So now you have 60,000 into the deal and your partner has 50,000 into the deal and then kind of break it out like that. So maybe now you have, you know, a little bit more equity of 55% instead of 50 or something like that. Um, because you do want to value doing that and you're still, probably going to be saving your partner money than if you were to go and just hire out a contractor to do that. Plus you have great incentive because the better job you do, the better your payout is going to be is having that equity interest. And that is one thing why I have loved to partner with people who bring that sweat equity is because they are way more motivated to get a project done than most of my contractors, or they'll, they'll do a better job because there is some kind of end goal. So that would be my recommendation is like to build a scope of work of what you're doing and kind of put a dollar amount to it. And it's not that you're going to be, you could set it up so that when you sell the flip house, you're getting that 10 grand and then you're splitting the prop, the profits 50, 52. So that's another way you could kind of structure it. Yeah. I like that a lot. Yeah. I need to do that more ahead of time. I think I I try to maybe please people too much. Or if I find a deal, I'm still not super experienced where it's like, yeah, this is guaranteed to work. Will you come on with me? So I feel like me adding that sweat equity is kind of part of my sales pitch, but I get so burned out after two months on each of these properties. I think every single one of them, there is a burnout period and it it becomes like, man, I'm doing all this for nothing or for 50-50. And- <laughs> Here's the only thing I'd add to what Ashley said is that I think oftentimes, especially for new investors, they undervalue sweat equity. Like they, they don't understand how much work actually goes into the sweat equity piece when, when it comes to a partnership specifically. Because think about the person that's bringing the capital. All they have to do is sign some documents, wire some funds, and then wait for the project to finish. Whereas the person that's doing the sweat equity, they're showing up to the job site every day, every night after work maybe, and they're swinging hammers, laying tile, doing all this work. Like there's a lot that goes into actually doing the sweat equity. So if I were you moving forward, especially given now that you've done this successfully a few times, I probably wouldn't bring anyone in as an equity partner anymore. And I would structure every partnership as debt. So you would tell this person, hey, you're going to get, you know, 
whatever, say a, a 12% uh, annualized return on your money. So if you give me $100,000 and I hold it for a year, you'll get back 12. If I hold it for six months, you'll get back six. Um, but uh, you know, it's a fixed rate of return. And I would say, hey, I'm not gonna make any payments to you during the life of the loan. You'll get paid once I finish this flip um, and keep it as simple as that. That way they get the guarantee of a fixed return, but you still get to keep all the upside above and beyond that 12%, which is typically a pretty healthy amount, right? So they still get a fair return on their investment for being the, the private money person. And then you get to really recoup the majority of the equity there because you put in all the, all the sweat and all the hard work. Yeah, I absolutely love that. And after doing this now and talking about it so much, I do have people now who are like, we have extra money laying around <laughs> and they're not people who I know would actually go into a house and work on it. So, or they might be too far away. So that's perfect. Yeah. It's doing a structure like that. The last thing I would add to is I think this is really forgotten is to who is the person that's doing all of the computer work? I would say like who's getting all the, the bills from the contractor, who's paying the credit card charges, who's paying, you know, writing out the checks, who's doing the bookkeeping, who's, you know, getting the insurance on the property, who's getting the utilities switching the name, like doing some of the acquisition stuff because that like portion of the asset management, I think is sometimes forgotten as to that is something that somebody is putting sweat equity into the deal too. So if that's something you're doing, or maybe the partner is, I think that's something definitely to take into evaluation because that is giving up some of your time and that can be a headache sometimes. So just a, a little piece to, to factor in there too, as to who's doing that. That's a good point. And while we're on this too, by the way, I, I love DIYing the work. And that, that's also why I go into some of this is I do find joy in that. My wife does too. So we go into these projects super excited to knock them out. So it's not all complaining on my side, but it's definitely <laughs> something to look forward to and, and why I'm excited for that book too. Well, it's even better when you get paid to do what sure. you love, you know? <laughs> <laughs> When Bigger Pockets started podcasting, no one thought we needed a store, but then books, so many books, best-selling books, rookie books, partnership books. We needed the best real estate bookstore ever, so we chose Shopify. <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business, from the launch stage to the first order stage to the, did we just sell out the whole store stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling real estate books or retro clothing, Shopify's platform helps you sell everywhere, online or in person. Now, speaking of online, did you know Shopify has the internet's best converting checkout, up to 36% better than other leading commerce platforms? And no matter how big you grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control of your business. And that's why we chose Shopify for the Bigger Pockets bookstore. So sign up for a $1 per month trial at shopify.com slash bprookie, all lowercase. Again, go to shopify.com slash bprookie now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash bprookie. Whether you need to buy or sell or you're just obsessed with looking at homes for sale, Redfin's got you covered. 
Redfin updates their listings every two minutes to help you see new homes first. And they give you personalized recommendations based on the homes you like, so you can find the home that's just right for you, whether that's a cabin, a craftsman, or a castle. With the top-rated Redfin app, you can favorite homes, share listings with others, and schedule tours, even the same day, with a local Redfin agent who can help guide you through the whole home buying process. And if you're looking to sell, Redfin agents have the experience to help get you the best price possible for your home. That's because they sell twice as many homes as other agents. With a listing fee as low as 1%, Redfin's fees are half of what others often charge, which means you'll have more money to put towards what matters most to you, like your next home. In fact, last year, Redfin saved home sellers $127 million. No matter where you are in your real estate journey, Redfin can help. Download the Redfin app to get started today. Rookies, 2024 is the year to start protecting your rental properties with an LLC. But you don't have to do all the paperwork and filing yourself. Corporate Direct is your professional and affordable option for getting your LLC done right. They handle the state filings, draft your operating agreement, and act as your registered agent. They'll even help you comply with the Corporate Transparency Act, a new federal disclosure law affecting every real estate investor. Corporate Direct is a family business founded by attorney, author, and rich dad advisor Garrett Sutton over 35 years ago. Now, his son Ted is a licensed attorney working with him. Together, they've helped thousands of real estate investors form and maintain their LLCs and protect their assets. If you're trying to build a real estate portfolio, do not skip the LLC. Head over to corporatedirect.com slash biggerpockets to schedule a free 15-minute consultation with an incorporating specialist. Mention Real Estate Rookie and get a $100 discount on your formation. That's corporatedirect.com slash biggerpockets. Let's go into some of the DIY that, that you guys love. Um, can you maybe give us some of, do you have some tips for rookie investors that are starting out to DIY? I'll go with some of the ones that I believe people think are the easiest. And I have a DIY project that I absolutely love. I'll save that for last, of course. I think, so like you were saying, painting, I think anybody can paint a wall, even you, Ashley, you can paint a wall. You can always fix it if you can't pretty easily, but they have these Graco X7 Magnum sprayers. And I mean, these things will make a paint job last an entire day. So one day you can paint an entire house with prep work included, and then two or three days to maybe do some of the trim work and touch up work. That's by far one of the biggest savings you can do. For instance, that flip that I did with that partner, we did have that GC quoted at $7,000 to paint a 1,500 square feet, 3-2 house. At $7,000, which included materials, plus the GC fee of 18%. Wow, 18%? Yeah, for the GC fee, oh yes. To hire other people to do that, yeah. Um, so you can do that in three to four days, even if you're not experienced. And to me, after materials, $7,000 in less than a week is a really good return on my time. So that's a project I'm going to take and I would recommend other people to do. And Sean, just for, you know, for even for myself, like I've never painted an exterior of a house, so I have no idea what I might spend in materials, but for you to, to buy enough paint for a 1500 square foot property, how much do you think you might spend uh, to do that? Yeah. So for the entire interior, I would range it from about 12, a thousand to 1200 bucks, which would include like all the caulking and taping and, and then your actual paint itself. 
Then for an exterior, you're looking at maybe another 10 gallons of paint, which so another 500. Don't forget the the full body suit too when you're <laughs> using the paint spray. I don't wear that. I end up looking like a snowman, a bum of snowman. <laughs> I, I did have a paint sprayer at one time, but I was so bad at cleaning it out that it just gunked up and I, I completely ruined it because <laughs> I didn't, wouldn't take the time to, I would sometimes I would dump it off at the barn and have the guys like spray it out in the, the milk house or whatever for me. But <laughs> Yeah, it definitely ruined a, a paint sprayer by laziness of not wanting to clean yeah. it out. Mine's starting to drip out of the actual machine itself, the motor. So it's lasted, I think, all 10 of these properties I've used it, or nine of them. And wow, then my own awesome. primary houses, too. So I've used it a ton of times, and it's only three, 400 bucks, and it'll save you thousands. Yeah, so I was going to say, so your all the material cost is less than two grand. So you're saving at least $5,000 by doing it yourself. And how long is it taking you, like, say, for that same example, the 1,500 square foot house? How long would that take you? It, it takes three or four days, one day for prep and the bulk of the painting, and then another second and third day for, like, just touching up the edges and, and cutting in. And then you may have a day way down the remodel where you touch up stuff. But you're talking less than a week. But to save $5,000. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which to me, when you're first starting out, I mean, that's, and you're cheap like me, that's huge. Okay, cool. That's a great first step. What other ones do you have for us? Uh, I would say one that I think people think is really easy is laying floors. And you touched on this earlier, Tony, like laying down floors is a lot of work on your back and your knees. And it's, to me, it's terrible, but it is a way to save a thousand, $1,500, $2,000 a house. So I don't do that anymore. I've done it for a couple of bathrooms, but I stopped doing it because I was able to find a couple of people that can do that same job for a dollar a square foot. So now when you start weighing your time versus how much you're paying for something, that laying floors on a 1500 square foot house would easily take me a week. And I would save $1,000 to $1,500 to do it. Now you're looking at the painting, that's a lot better return. It's $7,000 a week of work versus now $1,500 for a week of work. I'm gonna hire that flooring out. And somebody's gonna do a lot better, quicker, and I can work on other things. A dollar a square foot. I think I'm paying right now three fifty a square foot to have it installed. <laughs> I know yeah. no one's gonna think it's good quality, but it's good. It's great. It's worked for a while. So how did you find this person? Like, say that, say you know, say I'm a DIYer that wants to eventually start sourcing things out. How are you finding these subcontractors to to do this work for you? Yeah, so I had a guy come in who actually does paint and drywall first to come quote, and he quoted me close to like two fifty. And so I called my, my dad who had his house, primary house done just recently. He's like, we just had it done for $1.75. And he heard me on the phone while I was with the, the flooring guy. The flooring guy was like, I could do it for $1.75. I was like, okay, cool. Well, then I had a guy working downstairs on something and he heard our conversation upstairs. And when that guy left, he was like, I could do this floor for a dollar square foot. So it's just like <laughs> someone overhearing, someone overhearing. So it was basically an auction or a pricing war. Yeah, cool. But let me, I guess let me let me take it even one step further back, right? So how did you find that guy that was downstairs? Like, how did you initially, like, was it a Facebook group? Was it a referral? Like, and just in general, like, what sources have you found that are best to kind of find some of these subs? Yeah, definitely off Google, I would say, is where you're going to get your best pricing and actually where you get maybe some of the more, I say even more of a reputation, even though not branded on Google, but you have word of mouth of your neighbors and people on Facebook groups. That's my biggest one is going to the face, local Facebook markets, uh, our pages. So you go on there and you will, you can just go to the search and see like, Hey, I'm looking for a tile guy. So you just search in tile or drywall or floors and you'll see what other people's recommendations are. And so that's where I'm typically going now. They're still licensed and insured typically, 
but you don't have to pay for all their branding and all their marketing that they're offloading back onto the customer. So that's my biggest resource now. And so that guy that was downstairs was actually a guy we hired for tile. And we, I went to Google and Googled like, what's a good square foot for tile price. And so even with him, it was negotiating him to be able to have him come in and do the tile. And he overheard me talking about the floors. So he's just an overall general guy now. Okay. So we talked about painting, flooring. What about things like electrical? Electrical is something I would be scared to touch. (laughs) Yeah. I've heard both of you talk about electrical and plumbing. You just, it's out. You're not touching it. And to me, those are my favorite things. They take less time. They're actually less dirty once you get the toilet out of there. It's there. You stay cleaner, you stay less sweaty and they're really strategic. So electrical is by far my favorite. And I don't know how much I should talk about how much I do that on my own properties, but I'll say very basic level. If you're changing out outlets and light switches and your ceiling fans, you're saving thousands of dollars and it's actually extremely easy to do. And again, usually you're in the air conditioning and uh, it's just, it's pretty simple work. And my logic, my take on all of those things is you can wire things exactly how you found them. You don't need to be an electrician to wrap a wire around the screw If you found it that way, to me, my logic is it's going to still be safe to rehook it back up that way. And I know so many electricians are going to watch this and just like scoff. But um, (laughs) if it's worked, these houses I buy from the 70s, if it's worked for 50 years, I don't know why it still necessarily wouldn't. And um, again, yeah, I'm sure so many people are going to disagree with that. But leading to electricity, too, or to build onto that. My biggest project that I would do for DIY work is hands down recess lights. They're extremely simple to do. I have videos. There's videos all over YouTube on how to install recessed lights. I even have a video where I've done a bedroom in one hour. And I've had that same size bedroom quoted by an electrician for $1,500 labor. So I define that now as $1,500 for one hour's worth of work. So if you already have light, if you already have a light switch in your house, if you already have a ceiling fan or light fixture in your ceiling, you just break that off into these junction boxes for your recessed lights. And I mean, it's the simplest thing. It it sounds complicated. It sounds scary, but you're not building a rocket here or anything. Um, (laughs) I get so many videos on how to do that. Sean, let me ask you this for if you're putting up a new drywall and you're putting in a recessed light, do you have any tips as to like how to know the location of that recessed light when you're drilling in the drywall? Is it basically just measuring or is there any kind of... Yeah. Cool. tent. <laughs> That's the hardest part by far is how to know where things go. But there's a website. It's completely free. It's like uh, recess lights, blogspot, something like that. But if you mm-hmm. Google recess light location, there's actually one where it'll give you a calculator and you plug in the dimensions of your room and whether you want four lights, six lights and kind of your pattern and it'll plug in the dimensions for you, which is really cool. Mm. And then yeah. I adjust those a little bit based off of if there's kitchen cabinets in the way or Usually I want them a little closer to the wall than what this calculator gives you. So that way it just bounces more light around. But there's a website that can guide you through that. Yeah, I just I just want to ask one question because we're going through all these tips and you've shared a ton of the experience you've built up. But what was your actual resource, Sean, for learning all of these things? What was the, your best resource for identifying the right steps to do all these DIY tasks? It's 100% YouTube. And I think the benefit of me also creating a YouTube channel was I would watch other YouTubers on how they would install recess lights, for instance. And then as I'm doing the recess light installation and videoing it, I'm still even watching more and more resources so I can teach people those resources. And I think that's the value of the channel or or what I'm trying to do there is compile a bunch of other professionals 
And then I come off as a professional, but I'm like rounding up everybody else's experience into one direct video. And all of that has helped me to where I feel confident and just able to do these better than maybe somebody who's done it the same way they've always done it for, for dozens of years. And I've gotten that a lot. Even working alongside that GC, there were other people in the house and a plumber was telling me that he's don't buy plumbing products on Amazon or, or other places like go to your local plumbing supply store. They're built different. And to me, it's like the manufacturing number is the same on that Moen sink as it is this sink and that sink. To me, it's the same product. I don't know. But I think a lot of people are set in their ways and having YouTube and being able to see a combination of everybody's uh, experiences and, and strategies then gives me the ability to do the best of those and not be scared to do it. Now, now, Sean, you know, uh, I'm big on the Airbnb space as well. You mentioned you got a couple of those. Uh, do you have any DIY tips specifically for the Airbnb side of things? Yeah, for Airbnb specifically, build your own furniture. I mean, I think I've heard it so many times that people buy stuff on Wayfair. And I don't know what y'all's experience are with that, but I've had nothing but broken furniture on Wayfair. And both from outdoor, well, I don't know if I should name drop companies like that, but um, I just stopped buying stuff pretty much from anywhere and started building most of my furniture because I can build it to fit an elephant. Like my beds aren't going anywhere. They look really good. It's stained wood. And these are really simple, straight line things to build. Nothing has a curve on it. Everything is just, there's no fabric on my stuff. So it's just straight lines, regular pine wood. All the instructions are all over Pinterest and you can go step-by-step step on pictures and build your own furniture. I bet it's a lot sturdier. Um, it, when we built our house, we did all of our furniture that wasn't like a couch or whatever from the Amish. And it was all just like local made furniture. And I mean, my God, that furniture compared to like some of the stuff we have bought for our Airbnbs, the quality difference and just like how sturdy they are is really incredible to me. Yeah. Even just going to local furniture stores or big box name furniture stores too, like the difference in quality is really incredible. Yeah. Some of the only bed frames we've bought on Amazon were ones where we've had guests complain that they made noise and the ones that we mm -hmm. built, I mean, they're not, again, they're not going anywhere. So much glue and bolts on those things. They're, they're staying now moving those out someday will be a pain, but <laughs> <laughs> just take a chainsaw. Cut them yeah, seriously. <laughs> I built one for my primary house here in the guest bedroom and I didn't glue it and bolt it. I just kind of like screwed it in knowing that we might have to take it out of the, out of the room someday. Yeah. And sure enough, it, it was the first one to start wobbling. So I just did it like I did the others and made it yeah. foolproof. Okay. Awesome. Sean, is there any uh, other last minute tips you wanted to give us on DIY? The one other thing that I'd like to do on all my properties and it goes both interior and exterior is just adding wood accents. So it kind of goes with like building the furniture of Airbnbs, but it, it's again, so simple. You're talking about straight lines, go to the store and buy a one by three or one by four, stain it, slap it on your mirror in your bedroom. And it changes those simple frameless mirrors in your bathrooms into like this custom elegant looking mirror and it costs like 10, 15 bucks, depending on your tools you have. And it completely transforms the space or wrapping post outside. That's a big one I do on every property. Now I build my own cedar mailboxes. These are super cheap, affordable projects. And really all of these that I do are ones that I buy before I've even closed on a property. If I know inspections good, we're closing on this. We still have a week or two. I start just loading up on these projects. So I'm ready to install them whenever I get the house. That's awesome. Well, Sean, thank you so much uh, for sharing <laughs> this all with us. 
Um, we really appreciate having you on. Can you let everyone know where they can find out some more information about you, where they can reach out to you? I'm all over YouTube. My channel is Kelly Concepts. Definitely drop a comment down and uh, let me know what you think about some of these projects. That's the best place to reach me. Okay, awesome. Do you want to do our Rookie Rockstar, Tony? All right. So today's Rookie Rockstar are Brandon and Danny Tilson. So you guys might remember them from episode 293, which is actually one of our most popular episodes on the Ricky YouTube channel. Uh, but Brandon and Danny say, um, this is the first property that we bought. Um, and this property has started us on our way to financial freedom. There are tons of ups and downs during the process, but we can officially say that we are done with the renovation. They put in all new flooring, the kitchen, the bathroom, uh, gutters, they replaced the windows. It took five months just to get the windows in, but it's all done. But the numbers are, uh, they bought it for 64,000. The rehab was 23,000. Uh, so they're all in for what is that about 87,000 bucks. And the ARV was $110,000. And they're able to rent that property out for just over a thousand bucks per month. So Brandon, Danny, kudos to you both. Excited to see this project uh, come to conclusion. And Sean, we have one last thing uh, before we let you off the show is the rookie exam. So what is one actionable thing rookies should do after listening to this episode? I definitely think like most people say, go out there and get your first deal. My first and second deals were not even close to the best ones. Um, the second one really far from it. It might be my one break even four years later, but go out there and lock in that first deal and quit overanalyzing everything. What is one tool, software, app, or system in your business that you use? The biggest tool I use is amazon.com, hands down. They have this list that you can build on there where you can compile your entire shopping list for all your lights, doorknobs. I mean, you name it, anything for a construction project. And then you could watch those prices as they fluctuate over the, the course of building a house, Black Friday and so on. So you could lock in some major deals through Amazon. And lastly, where do you plan on being in five years? I pivot with this like every month. I'm in the property management mm -hmm. business now. And sometimes I'm like, why did we get in the property management business? Um, but I really ultimately, my dream is to have a really nice lakeside house here on Lake Norman. So I want to get to a place where I'm generating. My goal is $1,000 a day in real estate income or just income in general through mostly passive means. Um, and then getting my lakeside house here in North Carolina. Ooh, that sounds fun. Yeah. Well, Sean, thank you so much for coming on to the show. We really appreciate it. I'm Ashley at Wealth From Rentals, and he's Tony at Tony J. Robinson. And we will be back on Saturday with a rookie reply. The market is changing and finding your way can be tricky. Rates shift, headlines whirl, but your goal hasn't changed. You want financial freedom. And the best investors know it's not about timing the market. It's about time in the market. If you're ready to get into the real estate investing game or take your game to the next level, finding an investor-friendly agent is your next step. With BiggerPockets Agent Finder, you can find the right agent in minutes. Just head to biggerpockets.com slash deals 
enter a few details about what and where you want to buy and boom, instantly match with an investor-friendly agent who fits the bill. These local market experts can help you navigate the neighborhoods, analyze the numbers and take action with confidence once and for all. There's free resources only available at biggerpockets.com slash deals. Get an agent, get the deal, and get closer to financial freedom at biggerpockets.com slash deals. That's biggerpockets.com slash deals to find your investor-friendly agent today. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Past performance is not indicative of future results, and all host and participant opinions are their own. Investment in any asset, real estate included, involves risk. Use your best judgment and consult with qualified advisors before investing. Only risk capital you can afford to lose. Bigger Pockets LLC disclaims all liability for direct, indirect, consequential, or other damages arising from reliance upon information presented in this podcast.